Hey there, I'm Joanne Tambrakis, and this is Marketing, Mindfulness, and Martinis. Unfiltered conversations, or as I like to say, opinions shaken, not stirred, on what's changing and what's not in business and in life as we enter into the next normal. So pour yourself your beverage of choice, and let's get to it. There is really not enough time for me to list everything that today's guest has done. The list is really that impressive, but I'm going to try and give you a little bit of a sense of all that she has accomplished to date. <laughs> Linda Descano has served as the Global Director of Content Marketing and Social Media at City. She's been the President and CEO of Women & Co. and is currently an Executive Vice President with Red Havas where she leads agency, the agency's corporate communications and executive visibility practice. She serves on the board of directors at the Content Council and New York Women in Communications, the Advisory Council of HealthWorks Academics, and is a capstone mentor and adjunct professor at the Fox School of Business Digital Innovation in Marketing MS program, which is quite a mouthful there, but I think I got it all in. <laughs> And with all that on her plate, she still manages to always look fabulous. Welcome to the podcast, Linda. Thank you, Joanne. So happy to be here. Happy New Year. Happy New Year to you, too. So when I was prepping for our interview, I kept thinking, there's so much we can talk about today. But I'm hoping to narrow it down to how the pandemic has changed your business, how you think it's changed marketing, how it's affected you personally, and also a bit as to how you use your marketing skills to brand yourself, because in my humble opinion, you do a brilliant job with that. But I always like to start my podcast with asking my guests where they're from, and in your case, also how you got into the marketing and PR business. Well, I, I was born and raised in Philadelphia, where I currently live. I've been back in Philadelphia for the past three and a half years after a walkabout that brought me to Texas. Um, the Jersey City, New York City area, and then points north in Providence, Rhode Island before returning home. That is um, quite a walkabout. <laughs> it, it was a very long and productive walkabout. Um, so, you know, I I always loved, you know, English literature. I love writing, diagramming sentences so you can tell how old I am. And I, I actually went to college to study English communications and then pivoted to geology and geophysics after taking a geology class for my science elective and thought I was going to pursue a more scientific career and then discovered I, I was, I love the science, but really what I enjoyed was talking about the science. And so I began to straddle this, this dual, dual role. My work in, in the, the geology area brought me into environmental consulting um, and many of my, my clients were financial institutions, which brought me into the world of, of finance. And I was always good at translating the scientific speak into a way that was relevant to the financiers on a merger, acquisition, whatever the, the transaction du jour was. And um, decided one day that, you know, since I, I understood how to communicate and I fell in love with the world of finance, that if I understood about environmental issues, I cared about social issues, maybe I should go into social impact investing. 
And so I did a bit of a detour and, and quickly learned I had no talent for picking a winning stock. But again, <laughs> my communication skills came to the fore and I was very good at talking to clients and engaging clients and understanding you know, what they wanted to achieve. And that really sort of put me on this long-term path of communications and everything that I've done has been really trying to take information and translate it into something that was insightful and actionable for an audience. And I've just worked with different media from currency when you're talking about money, you know, or stocks and bonds, you know, to when I was in the environmental side and my medium was, you know, soil, air, groundwater. And and the last few years in, in the world of content and social and being part of a, a communications agency, it's words and, and videos and images, but it's really been that through line has been the same. It's just about storytelling, but creating stories and and that are, are relevant to the audience and communicate it in a format and, and through a media channel that makes the most sense for where that audience is. So how do I meet that audience where they are intellectually, right? Virtually, physically, you know, and, and surround them with that message. Well, I, I did not know about the environmental science part. That was brand new to me and I've known you for a little bit. So that's, we all have, we all have our ways of getting to where we are. So you call yourself emerged media strategist mm-hmm. and conversation architect. Can you elaborate a little bit more on what that means? I love those terms, by the way. Yeah, absolutely. So the way, you know, we think about communications at Red Habas is we're channel agnostic. And you think about the way marketing and communications and, and advertising the world have evolved. It's always been about, right, the channel. You're paid, you're advertising, or you're a social agency, or you're a content agency. But the reality is that with the, the advent of technology, the lines you know, between all the different media channels have not just blurred, they've merged. And to a consumer, it's one experience. And so, you know, we look at communications holistically and start with what is the story, what are the messages that a brand, a company, an, an organization wants to convey? Who do they want to reach? Why? And then look at what are the right channels? How do we bring that story to life in a way that's compelling and relevant and resonant to their their target audiences? And, and it may be, you know, it may be through paid media channels. It may be through an earned media or media relations push. It may be through, you know, experiential. It may be through social media and it, or it could be a combination. And how you weight those really depends on the audience, the priorities, what success looks like to the client. So, so that's the way, you know, we approach communications. And, and for me, you know, I add con- conversation architect because, you know, we're all in the, the business of talking and, and we're in, you know, digital media where it's, it's multi-logs, it's multi-way conversation. And so the, the real value today is not just pushing messages, but how can you see conversation? How can a brand, a company earn a place at the trust table and be part of those conversations that are shaping their audiences that will shape the future design of their products and services? And so I always think about how can I help the, the, the organizations I work with earn that place of trust, be viewed as a credible party in those conversations? But then how do you take all that insights and learning and 
bring it back, you know, so that you're, you're, you're bringing, you know, new products and services, but you can be at the same thing. It's applying it to your, your employee audiences, to your community partners. It's not done in a vacuum, just externally, but it's always about those feedback loops and active listening and agility that, that it's this optimization and real time refinement. So you're staying on point. Can, can you elaborate? I mean, I know what you mean by active listening, but I don't know if everybody who is listening, yes. hopefully, they, hopefully they are listening actively because it is a podcast by nature of the medium. You should be a little bit more engaged. But So in the context of for, for an organization or a brand, it's really having that always on social listening mechanism where, you know, you're monitoring the conversations that are, are relevant to your products and services or on issues that you care about as an organization. And then, you know, looking for what are the signals? You know, what really is top of mind? How are the, 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 the issues changing, right? How are the priorities and the needs changing? And how can you apply that learning? And, you know, and, and looking for ways to engage with, with the communities, you know, you support your, your um, uh, consumer communities to, to ask for specific feedback. So it's really about just feedback loop and, and not sort of getting caught up in your own success. But, but, you know, to me, it's, it's listening with an open mind and being willing to take that feedback and apply it. But it does require that, you know, you look across your communications ecosystem and what are the different touch points that you have? Is it customer service? Is it through social you know, is it through event feedback? You know, what are all those touch points and how can you aggregate them and mine them and then complement it perhaps with third party data and studies to see, you know, um, how are you faring? What are you learning versus what others are seeing? And, and, and it's just about being thoughtful and, and intelligent and using, um, you know, that information in a, in a way that's actionable. Thinking, something I think that people mm -hmm. don't do enough of these days. It's one of the things that I always suggest to anyone if they want to get ahead. Start with thinking because it, it really can help you to stand out. How has your business been affected by the pandemic? Well, I think, you know, in our business, we are an agency in the communications field. So in, in two ways, you know, like many other businesses, we had to pivot from being, you know, in the office to you know, working from home. So that's an adjustment for many people. And, you know, fortunately we had, you know, the technology was already there because most of us spend time on the road. So you're used to working from anywhere and, 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 and having that, that agility, but there's still an adjustment when you're used to working, you know, um, face to face mm -hmm. for creative collaborations that are in person and getting used to doing everything, you know, via video conference or, for audio conference. Um, but then at the same time, because we're in the field of communications, we were also having to help our clients navigate, you know, how they were going to pivot all of their communications internally and externally, right? How are they were talking to about the, the business, to their customers, to the communities in which they operate. They were shifting their employees, many of which, some of which were essential workers and had to be still 
you know, in the front lines, in, in the office or in the manufacturing facility, while they were also migrating people to work from home. So, you know, we had to take care of our team, but we really also had to stay very much focused on helping our clients with all of their communication needs and pivoting in some cases from telling, you know, what stories were we going to tell? How do we, are those stories still relevant? Should we be telling those stories now? So we had to also maintain that that dual focus of taking care of ourselves and our teams, but also, you know, really being there to support our clients as they were navigating these um, issues. And many of our clients are global. So it was a wave of starting supporting some in Asia. And then, you know, as the pandemic sort of rolled across and there were lockdowns in different markets, how do you navigate all of those? And the same thing with the recovery that's been choppy at best and these periods of going forward and going back. (laughs) So that has been, you know, and, and so it, it does take um, the, the the resilience to be able to, um, you know, manage your, your own business and the needs of your business while without, you know, losing focus on, you know, like many others who are supporting front lines, we're just supporting a, a different aspect of it. But, you know, you had to step up and do what's necessary to support your clients. I know it's it's just so crazy. I, 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 even as, I, as I'm listening to you, I'm being reminded that we are closing in on a year of this and it's just still still mind boggling to me. So how do you do you do you think it's changed how we market? I do think that there are uh, there have been changes in how we market and communicate. Um, certainly, you know, in the height of the pandemic, right? Priorities were shifted. Um, what was priorities for individuals and and businesses pre-pandemic changed when um, you know we're, we're we're faced with so many issues, lack of sufficient PPE, right? People, the displacement just in in jobs and the impact on industries in from restaurants to hotel to travel to you know many small businesses that were decimated, businesses large and small. So I, I do think we you have to step back and think about what are the what's the role that we can play as an organization. And you know to to um, given what what people are concerned about. And you know is it one of just providing education? to support? Is it talking about ways people can contribute to the community? Are there, and how we as an organization could contribute or are contributing? You know, many companies focused on how they were pivoting manufacturing facilities to support PPE um, production. And so I think there was a real shift and also a resurgence in what does purpose mean? And, you know, really helped shine the light on companies that have had a purpose and were purpose-driven. And that purpose played out in how they talked about their care for their employees, their communities, and and their, their, their partners versus those that didn't. And I do think there will be a long tail to that as, as now we are in the new year that we continue, um, I think, as, as consumers want and expect businesses to play a an active role in in putting their profits to use for purpose for 
and how they can contribute to the community. I think there's more of a spotlight than ever on how do companies treat their employees, and that will be a factor in in consumer decision-making. So I do think it's changing a consumer expectations and it's accelerated. Those trends have been there. Consumers looking for companies that share their values. I think it has accelerated that, that trend. I think it's also accelerated a focus on how we could support local and that sense of, um, you know, while we're all global citizens and this is a global pandemic and we have that shared experience, I think there's also a strong desire of what can we do and how our companies contributing locally, where they operate today, where their employees live. And I think also consumers are looking at how do we support the businesses that are right here in our community. So I, I do think those those issues will, you know, take hold and be, you know, be a part of us. I think it's changing some of, you know, how we want to engage you know, we now have curbside delivery. We have QR codes, right, versus reading menus. I think our, our we're sensitized about touch. What do we or don't we want to touch? Um, you know, uh, there's, there's more contactless delivery options. Uh, online commerce, you know, has accelerated. No, I agree. And I think all of those things, we're going to, we're looking at a hybrid universe where I think we're going to want more control over you know, we want these different experiences to continue and we want that choice and that flexibility um, for those that will remain, you know, perhaps um, sensitive to potential future pandemics or just germs in general. Um, but I think we're going to look at, you know, what's the role of voice going forward when we don't want to touch fuel pumps, we don't want to touch all these things that we felt were so convenient, right? Self-checkout kiosks. None of us want to touch anything. So I do think it's going to change the experiences too that that uh, brands and companies bring to market and an expectation for for more options to people and these these could be long term you know um, expectations and have like a long tail. Yeah, I mean, I, I still think it's in. We don't really know what's going to stick and what's not going to stick. But I look yeah. at something like you mentioned the QR codes on menus. And I'm thinking, well, those menu printers better just forget about what they're going to do. Because as a restaurant owner, why even print out a menu? You could change it every day with a QR code. You don't right. have to, you're not, you're not stuck into anything or to say, well, that's not on the menu anymore. So it's right. kind of, it's instant. And then you can check out like when you're ready. And, you know, you can then, it changes the role of, your your wait staff they could they could be more almost like quasi host and really ensuring a better experience than do they really need to shuffle you know and and check people out so it does it changes the dynamic um, definitely but I, I think the, these those are the things that I think people are, are somewhat gravitating to um, but you know who's to say I mean I think we're getting used to sort of it, it's also in person has become more transactional versus, right, we would go to a boutique because of the experience. And now it's like, it just meet me at the door and hand me my bag <laughs> where we're coming online for, for that relationship building, right? That's where we're looking for connection. And you have the virtual cooking classes and, you know, paint by the numbers, virtual classes that, you know, are, 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 homeowners association organizes a way for people to connect, you know, but social in a socially distant way. 
So I do think it's it's just interesting that whole reversal of a face to face versus you know um, online, and, and what will that look like a year from now? Yeah, and I, don't, I think it's anyone's guess exactly what it's going to look like. Although I was watching something, and I've heard this one before that. When you look at the last pandemic, which was in 1918, and by the time it was over, it was 1920. And it was like, well, why do you think they call the the, the 20s, the 1920s, the roaring 20s? That people were just so anxious to get back out there and really start having human contact. But again, a lot of this stuff will stick. So I think it's, right. I, I don't, I don't know what, I don't know what, I know I miss I, I love that we can do this. And while we're doing this podcast, I can actually see your face. Everyone else can't, but I can. Um, so it makes me feel like I'm closer to you than I might if I was just on the phone. But to be in the same room with you, there's still something that, to me, that still is. Absolutely great. I mean, is still by far to me the best. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, there's the face-to-face and having that direct human engagement, that touch, a hug, right? is is still there's nothing that compares to it but we are so fortunate then back in the 1918 to 1920 where we can still you know we have so many more ways of of connecting with each other and um and so that that helps sort of fill fill the gap i know so I want to talk a little bit about social media. I don't want to get too off on it, but we've both been around it for a while. And at one point, all I did was rave about social media and how wonderful it was. And I still see a lot of benefits in it. I think we've seen that this past year. Um, and even something like the George Floyd case, I'm not sure that it would have stuck the way it did if it wasn't for social media and the ability for everyone, every place mm-hmm. to see it. But it's also got a lot of downsides. So I so I have this, what I call a love-hate relationship these days. I'm curious what you think. Do you think a day of reckoning is coming, that it's really time to really put some guardrails around this? You know, I, I do think a day of reckoning is coming. And whether or not that's driven by, by legislative you know, decree or policies, I think more it's each of us, there's personal accountability and responsibility here. And that's what I go back to because every time we engage in social, we have the opportunity to, you know, um, learn and to, uh, to challenge our way of thinking and to engage, or we can use it to just, you know, crowd out other voices. And it's, to me, how we use it. And ultimately, yes, all the big platforms, there's so much that they they can do. But, um, you know, I think there are, we also are part of the problem because we're the ones on it. We're the ones choosing to share some things, um, you know, and and so we're, we're contributing to it as well. And I think we each need to think carefully about how we engage, um, how we can bring decorum back to social conversation. I think we've lost the art of debate and dialogue and and compromise. And it's almost like where, where I think the premise of social media was, this is about expanding your horizon, right? And you learning and being exposed to more viewpoints so you can evolve your own. It's almost we're funneling it, you know, and using it as a, to, to narrow and only reinforce our, our view of the world. And it's just causing much, you know, and we're, we're creating more silos 
and and we need to sort of keep pushing back and you know doing more to just open ourselves up and learn to look at other perspectives um so, you know, I, I do think there, yes, I do think that Day of Reckoning is coming and it's going to be a combination of, you know, will these organizations step up and recognize, but then what are we as users going to do and, and how we can make a difference? No, I, I agree. We're all complicit in the problem. I'm actually reading a wonderful book called The Hype Machine right now, and he speaks about that in there. Um before we move on to how it's affected you personally, I want to ask you one more marketing touch sure. question. And I hate to use the word predictions, but you are a marketing guru, so to speak. And especially coming out of a year like this, when who knew last January, any predictions that anyone made went into the trash can pretty quickly. But do you have any predictions when it comes to marketing? Well, I will give you a preview on, on two. We actually will put out our annual um a trends report in early February. So love to come back and, and chat with you about that. But I think there are, are, are two um, trends that I've been seeing. One is this, as, as I already spoke to this idea of contactless communication, I do think it's, it's, it's going to continue to evolve and be more pronounced. I think it's, um, you know, people are looking for you know, more options, more flexibility. But I also think it offers a tremendous opportunity to make, um, you know, technology more accessible for and more people, right? Voice has been sort of talked about and and it can bring so much value to some that are visually impaired and others, but maybe not has been looked at as, you know, with the same lens, from, from brands and companies in terms of how they create brand experiences. So I'm hoping that as we we think about this idea of a contactless communications um, opportunities, that it will also sort of look at what are all the what are all the ways we can democratize communications for more access for more people and not have a pandemic be the trigger for reevaluating, but I, I do think it will elevate the voice, right? And again, I think some of these, these evolutions will require companies to think, you know, from a very hybrid standpoint and think about multiple touch points, um, even more so than ever before using multi, like a multi-sensory approach um, into that. And the second thing I think we've seen over the past year, I don't remember a crisis that put um, employees front and center where people wanted to know how companies were treating their employees. And so many companies, you know, CEOs were on their LinkedIn channels sharing their internal communications and talking about what the company was doing Mm -hmm. to to treat their employees. And then we saw combined with that a, a resurgence in employee activism where employees are also calling out companies that have a gap between what they say and what they do. And and that's that sort of, you know, started before the George Floyd murder, but certainly as the spotlight was put on companies and their commitments around inclusion, diversity, and equity, some of those gaps became, you know, front and center. And I, I don't think that the door is going to close on the activist employee. I do think employees, um, their voice now has been heard. They are viewed as a stakeholder more carefully 
and with more power than they ever had. And that means uh, they want to a voice in terms of not only about company policies, but what are companies doing with products and services. So I think that's going to change the dynamic and uh, really change the role that employees can play as potential ambassadors um, to help take the story, a brand story forward, but also could be a source of your biggest critic if the company is not following through and authentic about where they are, then employees can have multiple ways publicly and are not, you know, they, they are open and willing to, to um, take the mic, so to speak, and, you know, call attention to those, those gaps. So it is, is changing that dynamic. Love it, love it, love it. So tell me, how has it affected you personally? I, I always see you on Instagram cooking up a storm. <laughs> how does she stay so thin? I've gained so much weight through this. If I lived uh, with you, I would have gained more weight than ever. But how, how, <laughs> how has it affected you personally? Well, prior to COVID, I, I was traveling probably three days a week. And so I went from, uh, you know, a, a pretty active travel schedule and lifestyle to a very sedentary lifestyle, you know, working full time, you know, from home. Um, you know, on the plus side, I had no excuse to, to work out consistently, even when gyms were closed, because when you you are in one place, you can control your schedule to some degree. Um, but no, I packed on, I think, my COVID-15, like the freshman 15 um, <laughs> that I'm trying to work off. Uh, but I think for me, it was a bit of getting adjusted to being home and in one place. Full time wasn't used to, to being you know, present, you know, and, and, and kind of stuck at home. But then I really embraced it as an opportunity, you know, to your point where I could, I could cook more, I could work out more consistently. I could be there just to help my parents when they needed it as their shopper, you know, cause I, my parents are up in age. So I really wanted to minimize the time they went to the grocery store. I always shop through home grocery delivery, but my parents don't quite, you know, they decide at 9 p.m., oh, we need milk and bananas tomorrow. <laughs> so I would be trekking to the local grocery store at 7 a.m. the next morning. Um, so I, I went to the grocery store more during COVID than I ever had been the last 10 years. Um, so, you know, but, you know, those are... It, it is what it is. And I feel grateful that, you know, I, I have employment. I have a place to live. Mm-hmm. My family, some of whom did um, test positive and have COVID, oh, have, all, have all recovered well. And so in, um, in a time where there could be a lot to complain about, I focus on all the things that are positive and feel like, you know, so many people have it so much worse. So how mm-hmm. can I use my time my talent and, you know, charitable contributions, my quote unquote treasure to try to make a difference and, and help. So I, one of my uh, dear friends and a former boss started a mentoring program for like college seniors who were, you know, sort of their whole plans for the summer were displaced, who lost internships. So I, I mentored a couple of, of students to help them get through and how they were going to approach the the job world and and try to put my experience to work and did other types of volunteer work to just bring, find ways to bring some joy and do some good. Um, And that to me, what, 
what it's it's all about and you know enjoy the my cats and cooking um, <laughs> and cooking all those delicious Italian recipes that you make. I know I, I see all these. I watch them all the time and my mouth waters. So you, you do a great job of using your marketing skills to brand yourself. Uh, it's one of the things that impresses me about it is that knowing you, knowing you in the offline world, how seamless it is, that it is really you. It's not, it's not a pretend version, which we often see when people are trying to brand themselves as individuals online. It's really who you are. Can you, can you talk about, and one, oh, I know what I wanted to ask you about this. This one of the hashtags that I see you use consistently is propel with purpose. Can you talk about that? Yes. So propel with purpose is basically my mantra that I live by. And, um, you know, when I was displaced, uh, from my work at, uh, financial institution and migrated into the agency world, I did sort of my own brand review and was looking to, you know, what was going to be like my, my positioning, how did I want people to think about me? How did I want to really live my life? And so Propel with Purpose was that, and it has a couple of meetings. One, it's about um, trying to live with intent. So I'm not just being reactive, but I'm being intentional and so when I'm moving forward, I'm moving forward with a sense of purpose, I've, I've a sense of reflection versus just reaction. And then it's also about um, how can I use my experience to be purposeful for others? And, and that is through, again, my time, my talent, my treasure, but how can I put myself in service and help others move forward? So that's my that's my signature hashtag. And it just keeps me, you know, always focused and in the right frame of mind that it's the, it's bigger than about me. Um, it's, it's about others. And so it's, it's keeping that service mindset front and center, you know, every day. And then under that, you know, you know, my, and how I think about how I can operationalize that online and particularly on LinkedIn, it's through, articles that speak to me on topics, you know, I, I'm always looking for ways I can improve my productivity, like my better self. So I, I share things around that one is around, you know, the uh, gender equity, body positivity, or, or also and, and diversity in general are important. So I look for things particularly around women and elevating women's voices. So embrace my war. And then and this looks for, you know, inspiration about leadership, because whether we're leading a team or we're individual contributors, we all have to lead ourselves and lead our lives and have agency. And so what are the things that can help me have greater agency um, and inspire others to be agents and, and not just passive players in, in their life? So that kind of guides the, the articles that I, I share. I don't know. All of a sudden, Linda, I'm thinking propel with purpose. It sounds like the title of a book you should write. You have so much to share. Well, if we're in this uh, quarantine for another six months, that might give me the extra time from not commuting. Absolutely. Well, I know you are. I could talk to you for forever. Um, and I know you're, I know you're very busy. So I just want to ask you one last question before we wrap up. Uh, 
in, in with the world changing so much like this, especially in the marketing and PR industry, what advice do you have for those in the industry, whether they're just starting out or whether they've been in it for a while? I think the, the best advice I would say is just being comfortable with being uncomfortable, because even if we're not in a pandemic situation, you know, nothing stands still, right? We, technology is changing, the economies change, consumer behavior changes, um, the world is changing. And so if you, you know, while it's important to keep your head down and do good work, it's also really important to lift your eyes up and look at how the world is changing around you. Look up, down, and sideways, because if you don't have a sense of how everything is changing, you're not going to know how you need to change, develop your skills, right? Develop the right experiences so you can continue to deliver value um, to the organization you work for, the organization that you want to start. And, you know, and in an era where we can't focus on long-term employment, it's about being employable over the long-term. That ownership is on us. So I think that the greatest lesson I learned early on was always about, you know, this this sense of continuous learning and being willing to pivot and staying agile and flexible so that you can find new ways of applying your skills, uh, because that's what we're going to need to get through, not just this, but, you know, there will be other, you know, there are disruptions in industries every day, Airbnb, right, Uber, there will be small disruptions and innovations in industries and in your company, and there will be market changing ones. And so you have to be, you know, to stay elastic, if you will, and be able to zig and zag. And, And if you're not comfortable with that, you learn how to get comfortable because that's going to be key to staying employed. Wonderful. Such great, great advice. Linda, thank you so much. If if people want to follow you online, where would you suggest that they check you out? Check me out on LinkedIn, Linda Descano. Linda Descano, and you can follow all of her wonderful shares and her wisdom. Thank you so much. It has been an absolute treat to have you on the podcast. It's been great. Thank you for having me. Thanks so much for listening to Marketing Mindfulness and Martinis. If you liked what you heard, please share with your friends. Give us a rating on iTunes or Spotify so other people can find us and hit the subscribe button so you never miss an episode. If you've got a question you'd like answered or a topic you'd like me to cover, please drop me a note. Info at joannetombrakis.com. And until next time, remember... Whatever got you to where you are isn't enough to keep you there.